0: live from the ESPN 690 and a Levine studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Light.
1: Happy Monday, everybody. How are we feeling right now? Feeling a little groggy? Maybe a little tired from the weekend? Maybe we're at the UFC fight so I don't know, seem like 3 o'clock in the morning but with great seats so you can't pass that up? What's going on today, everybody? Austin Lane Action Sports. Jax, Casey pushing all the right buttons. Brent's about to be here in a second. And that was one of the biggest stories in town. A UFC fights, man. And listen, the crowd was electric. The fights were on point. May have seen the fight of the year in Hazmat and Gilbert Burns. Yeah, we um, did. chef's kiss. Not going to lie, I almost walked out of the last fight because I had seen enough in terms of the Korean Zombie. But I echoed this to Casey a little bit towards that fourth round. I was like, "All right, Volkanovski's got this." I don't think I want to see any more of this. And we seriously contemplated just leaving because how much man can one pun- You know, how much punishment can one man take? Um, he he took some and then some more. Thankfully, the ref called it when it did. But overall, a very a very great event for the city of Jacksonville. Didn't see Trevor Lawrence. Didn't see any Jacksonville Jaguars. Saw Max Crosby. We did. They had no problem giving Max Crosby some hype. I'm not sure where the Jacksonville Jaguars were. There's got to be some MMA fans in Jacksonville. Come on now, Jaguars. Saw Tony Khan. Saw Tony Khan. Saw Tony Khan a couple times. Now, did I say TK a couple times when he walked by, by me? Because I wanted to kind of impress the MMA fighters behind me who knew who I was. I'm like, if I get Tony Khan to come over here and give me like a dab or give me some kind of like, you know, hug or something. Well, then in terms of you know, the circles that I roll with that immediately brings up my cool points another 20. Unfortunately, Tony Khan did not see me and we went our separate ways.
0: I thought it was terrific, by the way. First time I've ever been. Yeah. And casual UFC guy. Mm-hmm. Right. Mostly because you do it for a living. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I, I find myself watching more and more anyway, but uh, I likened it to this. You know, you go to a hockey game, sure, and you're like, "Hey, I like hockey. Hockey's on t- TV is good." Yeah, but hockey in person is like nth degree better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, and there are just some events like that. Yeah, there are some events not like that. By the way, mm-hmm. the Super Bowl is one of these events that everybody would like. Hey, I'd love to go to the Super Bowl. One of the Super Bowl. It is ten times better on your couch. Yeah. Than it is in person. Mm-hmm. You the replays, the commercials, the everything. I think college football, probably because of the 100,000-plus fans, you can't feel that on your couch, so there's a little bit of an element there. Golf is terrible in person versus TV Mm -hmm. because you can't see everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, go 16, 17, 18 at the Players, go to some of the holes at at the Masters. You know, it's cool to be there. I'm not saying it's like the worst experience in sports. I'm just saying it's better on TV because you can follow it. I thought UFC had that kind of feel to me like hockey, where it was like, hey, this is I can feel it, I can see the like the uh, I can see it on TV, I can watch it, I can appreciate it. But my respect level for what you do and for what the fighters do and the electricity in the arena, I'm telling you, it went up like 10 times. Yeah. Watching it in person and I think until the fight of the year candidate, most people would say and you guys know this better than me, but my feeling was, all right, this card is lacking a little Sure. Blair, mm-hmm. Because there's no knockouts. Mm-hmm. They're all going the distance. Mm-hmm. I'd say they were all awful fights, but they just didn't go the distance. So I thought it was really cool, man. And yeah. I'm glad that's coming back to Jacksonville. And I I think I want to go the next time it comes back to Jacksonville.
1: So it was one of those things where I definitely enjoyed it, but I did miss Joe Rogan's commentary for whatever reason. Oh, because, like, yeah. we found ourselves – I'm like, granted, like, when you're in that kind of atmosphere, you don't see everything. Like, if you're at home watching and you have the commentary – you get a better feel of who won the fight. Now, there was a couple uh, of questionable judges' calls. Dana White even was the first one to say he thought Peter Yan won that fight against Al Sterling. But, like, you do miss something when you don't get the commentary, maybe more than any other sport, I felt like, because there were some points where I'm like, well, I thought that guy won, and it was clearly the other person won. So we were there was all a little... doing
0: this, and I'm the, the biggest amateur yeah. of all, yeah. and we guessed wrong a couple times.
1: Yeah. So, so that, that was, I mean, that was evident in terms of having no commentary, but I will say I'm glad I got to experience it, and Casey stuck around for, you know, the entire Card as well as I did. Korean Zombie, best walkout of all time in terms of song choice because to hear 12,000 fans at the same time singing the Cranberry Zombie, I got chills. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, absolute chills. Better yeah. than the fight. Be- better I mean, than the f- for him. Better for the for fight him, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it, was nice. than the fight. it was pretty cool. But to your point, obviously in the lead-in that
0: it got hard to watch at points. But yeah, yeah the intro was cool and. Uh, it may or may not be his last fight in the UFC. He kind of hinted to that after the fight, mm-hmm. so we'll have to find that out. But yeah, that was a that was a cool moment—the the walkout and the whole thing—and everyone's going nuts. Like we talked about a little bit, uh, a lot of fans representing the Korean flags and whatnot. That was yeah. cool to see. So yeah, yeah it's pretty awesome. So we all we know this. We talked to Dana White on Friday. I mean, it's going to be a home in Jacksonville. I think he even reiterated that after the deal. Um, but going back to the fight of the year. I mean, people, I don't know. Again, this pay per view, so not everybody in Jacksonville saw it. Yeah. Unless they bought the pay per view, I would say unless you're really, you're not buying pay per view unless you're a pretty hardcore MMA fan. And if you were a hardcore MMA fan, there were seventeen thousand, eighteen thousand plus of you that were there. Yeah. Um, I, I just give you uh, again. I just said this that I'm casual MMA fan, and the experience was awesome from a viewing standpoint. Even if like I don't know everything that's going on and all about the fighters that that maybe you do right yeah. and part of it is it goes quick it's like there's not a lot of time in between fights mm-hmm. I a mean, decent amount just to go to the bathroom or get a drink or or catch your breath and then bam it's kind of starting all over again so that's a that's a good part of the viewing i think it's kind of electric in there even when stuff's not going on they did a great job playing music and showing videos mm-hmm. and all this stuff but well, what was wild about that thing is once that hit prime, once that hit the pay-per-view window, see there are a bunch of windows, right? Starts at 6.30, yeah. then the ESPN window hit at 8. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Buffer says, let's go live, or we are live, right? Mm-hmm. And then at 10 o'clock it hits the pay-per-view yep. uh, window. Once it hit the pay-per-view window, especially for the Burns fight, it already felt like the thing was sold out, and then it felt like they squeezed about 15,000 more people in mm-hmm. when that moment happened. For sure. Like I didn't think it could. The crowd could grow as much as it grew. Yeah. It was like nobody was sitting down. It was a really wild experience from that standpoint. But that fight was ridiculously good. Oh, I yeah. mean, think of your movie scene fights yeah. in boxing and MMA. Yeah. Uh, or or any street fight in a movie scene. That was it. Yeah. I mean, to
1: to set the scene real quick, Dana
0: White, who is someone that's
1: always been kind of known for, you know, keeping the money pretty close, uh, you know, to the chest or whatever. Or the vest? Is it vest or chest? Vest. Both. Yeah, vest. Keep it close to the vest. Um, this is the first time in UFC history that both fighters from one fight got their win bonus. Where he get, even though Gilbert Burns lost, and it was a close fight, but Gilbert Burns, um, I think we all agreed, you know, he lost the fight, unfortunately. lost it by one round. But Dana White gave him his win bonus as well. That's pretty cool. Because it, it was, and then obviously it was fire tonight. So, I mean, add that. Uh,
0: on top of it, just so, so like it was a pretty good you paycheck. You get more money for a fight of the yeah, night. Yeah, I mean, right.
1: fight of the night, is it's, it's actually $50,000 in your uh, in your pocket, and then I assume the win bonus probably would have been an extra maybe seventy or $80,000 in Gilbert Burns' pocket. So, he, I mean, he made out pretty well, uh, but that was the first time in UFC history that Dana White did that, and, I mean, if you're going to pick a fight to do that,
0: that was probably the one, too, so it was definitely a barn burner. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, it was cool, man. i tell you, it was really... It was it was really an experience, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, which is kind of what you're looking for when you go to an event. So uh, that was a lot of fun. They'll be back. Now, what happens? Uh, I mean, is anybody ever going to beat Alexander? Well, Volkanovski. Um I mean, Max Holloway could. Be, so
1: it was supposed to be him and Max Holloway originally, and then Max Holloway got hurt, and the, they substituted Korean Zombie. Um, they can do uh, Volkanovski Holloway three. Uh, Volkanovski can move
0: up. He can go down. There's a lot of possibilities for Volkanovski did, right did now. Did they? Did they probably, probably go up? i would the, Again, you guys know this world way better than me. Did they miss what the actual like prime fight of the night was? Because the Chemev Burns fight. Felt like everybody was hyped up about that on social media and in the yeah. arena. Yeah, maybe or or were they just as hyped up about Oh the no, Zombie I and mean, Volkanovski?
1: But it's but it's for a championship though. Like the only person that's going to headline a pay per view and not have a There's championship is going to be Conor McGregor. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean so that, that was yeah. simply put that. Oh yeah, yeah, reason. yeah, yeah. yeah. But but yeah. They, I a sense that they were super fired up for that fight and it lived of course, up to it too, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they put it you know the last one before the title fights. Good point. Yeah. yeah. Cause you can't really jump it. They, I, I wish they would have just done five rounds with that, because that would have been two more, Man. two more great I, rounds. I
1: couldn't imagine.
0: I will say this, my, well, it wouldn't have lasted two more. There's no way it could have lasted.
1: Yeah, two but more. then who's gonna who's getting knocked out? I don't though? think
0: either. Then we're going to. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. If yeah, you that's... if you didn't see it, go back and watch it. Like it's literally just two guys wailing on each it other really for 15 was. minutes. I mean, right. they're exchanging blows. Was great. I thought both guys lost at different times, but that was several fights. I thought that. I mean, it's yeah. just amazing. I mean, it's crazy respect for what you do and and. I don't, I, I think you leave there like, what well, you guys are crazy? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but you sure. also have a lot of respect yeah. for it, you know, and you can see it. And I, that's one of the neat things about it. I know there are some fights where people hate each other, mm-hmm. probably, like there's some rivalries going on. Yeah, But the amount of respect between fighters, mm-hmm. again, that's something that doesn't jump across, I think, as much on TV mm-hmm. when you watch it as much in, as it does in person. Mm-hmm. Just what's going on before fights, in mm-hmm. between rounds sometimes. And uh, uh, like your guy, Gary, right? Ian Gary. Mm-hmm. I mean he's like before he tries and go kick the other guy's ass, he's basically a cheerleader for the other guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean he's yeah. high five at him. He's yeah. like <laughs> yeah. I mean and, and that's the next personality star, right? Ian Gary. Ian Gary. Ooh. I don't know about th- I mean he's
1: See, I think he took a step back, though, this this past fight. Yeah. Know, and maybe Casey doesn't agree with me, but, like... Casey thought that fight was going to be over like, 40 seconds. Well, yeah. I did and, say uh, that, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, like, it's something to have the personality, which he does. Um, he's from Ireland, which definitely helps. But, like, to me, you also got to, like, you got to put on good show. Like that, that was his best performance. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? And, like, I'm not sure if he's the most polarizing individual yet to capture... The audience's attention Where it's like Let's put him now On the main card You know I I still feel like He might be on the prelims A couple more
0: fights I I will say this Okay Mm -hmm. Amateur guy out here Mm -hmm. Novice guy Mm -hmm. To me Outside of the fight He was the most entertaining Ian Gary Yeah Okay Because I felt like He could do What Casey thought He might do yeah. Mm-hmm. Every time like he, yeah. he was he's a, he was a tremendous yeah, athlete. He is, for sure. Yeah. 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 And he looks the part. Yeah. He gets the mic skills part. Mm-hmm. He had the he had the crowd with like the whole thing. He had the whole package. Yeah. Where I am like, now he's got star potential in my opinion. Yeah. Now again, I don't know from a fighting standpoint yeah, as well yeah, as you yeah. do. Um and maybe he did take a step back because mm-hmm. The, the, he didn't finish him well, off. The, the biggest
1: thing is, like, it's not fair to him, but he's from Ireland. So everyone's trying to dub him the next Conor yeah, McGregor. I get it. You know, it's like, that's not fair. I mean, it's not fair to compare him to Conor McGregor because Conor McGregor's once in a generational type of town. And Conor McGregor's first
0: three or four fights were, like, legitimate KOs. Like, Gary, you know, went decision. He actually, he he reminds me, a lot of people would be like, he's a poor man's this or poor man's that. He's actually just like a nicer Conor McGregor. Like, like I don't think I don't think I see that McGregor. Like, he doesn't have yeah. that side of no, McGregor. No. He's not talking about or, he's gonna wife. going to be like, oh, yeah. no, no, you know? no, He doesn't but seem like he does. Now, maybe to he flips be fair,
1: her. Conor wasn't talking about people's wives when he first came up either. Yeah. You know, it was always about, like, the suits and the watches and stuff, and then he kind of transitioned into just being an absolute lunatic. To me, <laughs> it, it, uh, uh, Ian Gary, he, he, he's like the, I'll call him the Canadian Conor McGregor. He's he's a nice dude. He's nicer. He's a guy. Yeah. 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 Every fighter from Canada, we talked about this um, during the event too. Every fighter from Canada, class act. Nice dude. That's good. Can't name one that's actually like,
0: you know, questionable. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So it was a good night. UFC 273. It'll be back, Um, but. it's got a home in jacksonville man and the people the place was buzzing downtown saturday night it was cool shrimp had a bunch of people at their game mm-hmm. that was going on it was just saturday night anyway i'm sure people were out and about and I, I talked to some people that were just going downtown they forgot everything was going on they ran into all that um, but it was a fun night uh, downtown uh, in jacksonville hey uh could be a fun week to get back into the fold with the Jacksonville jaguars are arriving uh, at the stadium today for off-season conditioning workouts listen from a from a talking standpoint, a, a is this a major thing? Not really. They're, they're getting acclimated. They're getting back into it. Uh, you know, they start putting together, the laying the foundation really for Doug Peterson more than anything mm-hmm. of what he expects out of this group. But even those conversations have probably transpired, whether it's through email, iPad, something else along the way. But they're back in the building. And so, to me, it feels a little bit like year two for Trevor starts this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll hear from Trevor tomorrow, and so that also adds to it. But I don't know if he feels that way. Like, if you're a Trevor, when does year two start? Year two start when year one ended? Year two start, like, now when off-season conditioning and you're back in the building and you get back together? Year two start when you hit the field for OTAs or a minicamp? Year two start... When training camp goes? Like, when to does
1: it begin for you? See, to me, I think year two started once Trevor Lawrence met Doug Peterson and kind of got a feel for what the offense is going to be. Um, kind of hit that control-alt-delete on the Urban Meyer era, if you will. That's when I think year two started because, like, from – any other position you could say okay year two starts an ota start we're all back from for the spring you know we're we're working out together again um we're starting to do just very basic vanilla um you know schemes in terms of talking about what we want to do in defense or offense but for the quarterback it's got to be different you know for the quarterback it's got to be the ultimate double standard and that internal clock that you know quote unquote year two starting that has to start even earlier because well you're the leader of the team
0: yeah that's a good point by the way, right. Uh, What are you going to work on? What are you going to do with the new playbook? Uh, Maybe it feels like it even started a little bit earlier because of that, because of the coaching change, um, rather than just a seamless transition and continuity. So that might be the case. It would be interesting. We could ask him a little bit about it tomorrow. Like, what is he? Because you got to get away, too. That's my point. Mm -hmm. Like, I understand all those things you're saying are correct. Mm -hmm. But I I think also you got to get away. And I feel like Trevor has. I feel like he's been a little bit quiet, you know, went to the Super Bowl. And since the Super Bowl, like, when have we seen Trevor? Really just the Players' Championship? I mean, that was the only time I really saw him out and about and heard his name much. I mean, I don't really think he's done a lot. I think he's laid kind of low. Subway commercials. Oh, but yeah. It. I mean, yeah. that kind of stuff. But I think he's laid low. I'm sure people have seen him around, like coffee shops and Jack's Beach and all mm-hmm. this other stuff. But mm-hmm. I, I think I think this kind of gets Trevor back into our mind a little of, okay, now let's go. Uh, we talked about everybody who was around Trevor the last month, like mm-hmm. the new weapons and tight ends and coaching staff. But now it's like, okay, now what's Trevor going to do? Uh, we did a lot of this last night at Action Sports Shack's primetime. but. I think we look at it from two things. Can he overcome last year and the Urban Meyer debacle? And did that scar him at all? Mm-hmm. I don't get the sense it does, and it did. You know, you go back to the Gabbert stuff, you played with him. Mm-hmm. He got walloped, man. Of course. And then it looked like he was gun-shy. Yep. really did. Mm-hmm. Now, was he already? Was he going to be bad? You can argue that. But I do think getting hit the amount of times he got hit, Having the lack of people around him, weapons around him, lack of success—I think it damaged him. Well, and he wasn't ready, and he wasn't ready he, to go he, anyway. He
1: wasn't expecting to start, you know, whatever week three or four, whatever it was. That's a really
0: good point, by yeah. the way, because then you go to Blake Bortles, and he really wasn't supposed to go in as quickly as he did. Yeah. He—I don't know if he—I never felt like he got damaged by some all the sacks and uh, some of the, the lack of success in year one, mm-hmm. because he actually followed up in year two and and did a lot of nice things. You know, a lot of it was in garbage time, but I know. But he actually year two was pretty good for Blake.
1: Are you surprised that Blaine Gabbert has had a much better backup career than Blaine? Ga- I'm sorry. Yeah, Blaine Gabbert has had a much better backup career than uh, Blake
0: Bortles has. I'm not. I'm not. I shouldn't say I'm surprised by it, because I think a guy like Gabbert has tools that people don't want to give up on. Okay. He's got arm strength. Okay. He's your prototypical quarterback. He's got the height, the tie, the weight, the everything. So. Blake was a little non-traditional in that sense. He was more known as an athlete than a polished quarterback, and I think some of those fundamental things still follow him to where he's at right now in his career where people are still like, okay is he fundamentally sound to come in and or are we gonna have to, does he need five games to get going because he's still dropping the ball down or whatever it might be you yeah. know mm-hmm. and he was he had so much of a sample of turnovers yeah. that the people want to buy into that um so I guess I'm not stunned by that i Listen, I think Blake Bortles is a better quarterback than Blaine Gabbert mm-hmm. in the NFL. Sure. And I'm stunned that he doesn't have a backup job, and I say that just about on a weekly level. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm not s- stunned that Blaine Gabbert was also going to be like a 15-year backup in the league. I mean, look at some of the guys that are backups. Yeah. I mean, you always bring up Chase Daniels, but, mm-hmm. I mean, you got Colt McCoy. You got, I mean, Matt Schaub mm-hmm. was a backup forever. They, these guys, it doesn't mean you have to be – heck, I think Doug Peterson will tell you this – Sure. Right? I mean, what made Doug Peterson a long-time backup quarterback, given the fact that he really wasn't anything great as a quarterback in the NFL? Yeah. So I don't know what that exactly is. It's a weird dynamic, I think, sometimes. But I still don't understand how Blake Bortles isn't a backup quarterback mm-hmm. because that guy's won games. Correct. Right? Been to a NFC championship He's probably game. won more games. Well, I don't know about one more because they didn't win a lot. But he probably has better credentials than any backup in the NFL. Outside of Marcus Mariota? Do you mean, like, in terms of how far he's
1: taking his team? Stuff. I mean, like, what is, what's Henny bringing? Oh, I, uh, that's good Like, call. in terms of stats? I mean, I, I don't know. Like, obviously, Henny yeah, hasn't fair. played in any championship games, like, yeah. in terms of totality,
0: in terms of the stats? Yeah, maybe I don't. I'd have to look at his stats. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he could be right. But anyway, we talk about those two guys. We're like, they might not have been ready to play. Well, sure. Trevor was ready to go. Oh, yeah. But then he maybe dealt with been. stuff that those guys didn't have to deal with. Yeah. Is he mature enough, good enough, all that stuff to overcome the Urban Meyer era or will that hamper him in his progression even with a new coach even with more weapons even with a fresh start
1: I mean the, the Urban Meyer era definitely didn't help him um because now you're talking about a new offense you have to learn new terminology uh you play with a bunch of new players as well so like th- that doesn't help the situation but overall I mean you know I think when we talk about Trevor Lawrence and and what makes up you know his his skill set and, and what goes into being a starting quarterback in this league, I mean, you have to have the mental fortitude. And I think, you know, I mean, I saw a guy in Trevor Lawrence and this is kind of where I became a Trevor Lawrence believer, and I tell this story all the time, but when Trevor Lawrence was a freshman taking on the mighty Alabama, and I had Alabama all day in that game, I'm like, there's no way this, rookie, this freshman quarterback's going to come in against this Alabama defense and do anything worth a darn, and guess what? Well, he did, and he won. So, when you see that and you see Maybe when the the chips are stacked against you a little bit and there is pressure on you, you can overcome. I think Trevor Lawrence can do that, you know, this up and coming year. And people forget. And I understand, uh, and maybe I'm more critical than anybody in terms of what the numbers look like for Trevor Lawrence because, yeah, they weren't good last year. Um, Davis Mills did have a better, uh, you know, resume last year as a rookie. But he wasn't getting a lot of help either in terms of Trevor Lawrence. In terms of all the drop balls and in, in, in terms of all the, the the false starts and all the bad penalties on the offensive line, in terms of the defense, you know, surrendering up a lot of points. There wasn't a lot of people that seemed to have Trevor Lawrence's back in terms of the on the field play. And that doesn't help anybody, but especially when you're a rookie still trying to figure it out. So hopefully those mistakes get corrected and that's only going to help him gain more confidence and be ready for for
0: year 2 here. Yeah, uh, we'll see uh, we'll talk a little more Trevor coming up including uh, what does he have to improve on? Like a lot of these guys that we talk about, especially Blake, remember Blake every year would be like, "Okay, got to work on the fundamentals. You got to go to California. You got to go work with Jordan Palmer." I don't feel like we talk about any of that stuff with Trevor. Like mean, Trevor doesn't have to work on fundamentals. Yeah. It doesn't feel like. Mm-hmm. What does he have to work on? Let's take a break. Action Sports Jackson, on ESPN 690. Trevor Lawrence Talk a little bit more about him And Oh Oh Trevon Walker
1: Oh yeah What is he Oh Trevon Walker What is he the next Alton Smith now all of a sudden Trevon Walker Someone someone compared him To uh, Alton Smith in college Interesting comparison Is that Uh, good I mean did Trevon Walker Have 11 sacks his freshman year At Georgia like I, I feel what's like. The, I, what's the comparison?
0: Then? I feel like that's not good for the numbers. No. Wow, well, not good off the field. Save the conversation. Uh, we talk about it coming up. Action Sports Jackson on ESPN at six ninety. Happy Monday, everybody! Here in Jacksonville, beautiful day in Northeast Florida. The, the draft is a franchise-altering draft. I think in many ways, Molly, it, it could be an NFL-altering draft. My breakdown is this. This is a team and an organization that has been to four straight AFC championship games. And in the graphic, you guys kind of diagnosed a little bit that what's going on with this football team. First of all, they lost their defensive leader in Teron Matthew. And I understand they replaced him with a really good player and Justin Reed. This guy's led their team in takeaways over the last three years. He is their leader. And then they trade away their second-best player and it's certainly second-best offensive player in Tyree Kill. I think that's Dan Orlowski. What do you mean, you think? Is that your guy or is that not your it's guy? guy. Key to the city, <laughs> baby. When are we getting Dan on the show? Get him on. Him and then Mike Tannenbaum. Yeah, we're all set there. Brent Morton, along with Austin Lane and Casey Kurtz, fresh off a good weekend here in Jacksonville, and we've got some football. Now we get to talk about as the Jacksonville Jaguars begin uh, off-season conditioning program under Doug Peterson for the first time. So, uh, Trevor Lawrence conversation continues here on uh, ESPN 690. I have this to say about Trevor in a moment. Mm-hmm. What does he have to be better at? You know, uh, they put weapons around him. They put staff around him. We know they need they need to be better around him. Yeah. But... This is a a world and a game and a sport in a league and a position that you don't get free passes, right? Still had 12 touchdowns, 17 picks, and he had some really good moments. I mean, some of the best moments you'll see out of a quarterback in a Jags uniform, he had. And then the last game and his lasting impression, I think, gave us such a a look into what he could be Mm -hmm. that you almost like, okay, none of it was Trevor's fault. Well, that's not true, I don't think. I, I think he certainly made some rookie mistakes and didn't play consistently all the time. And so I can't say none of it was Trevor's fault. What more can Trevor do? Like, what are you looking for in year two mm-hmm. to, obviously you're not looking for 12 and 17 and looking for more than three wins. Yeah. But but again, I told you earlier, just before we went to break, we're not saying, hey, go to California and work on this mechanic, We don't say that. We don't talk about Trevor like that. So what are we we talking about, better Trevor in year two? I mean, to me, it's
1: what you really talk about any quarterback who you have a lot of high hopes for in season two, and it's that the game slows down for him. And when you talk about the game slowing down, you're talking about making better decisions. Um, You're you're talking about having maybe a better internal clock of of when that's going to go off in terms of staying in the pocket or not. So I think if he takes care of those two things, um, the sky's the limit because they have added around him in terms of weapons. Now you want to see him add more um, in the draft and time will tell. Um, the offensive line, you know, we we will see um, if it can hold, if they can maintain or if they take a step back now with losing a guy like Brandon Linder, we'll see with that. But you'd like to think that the offensive line could take a step forward as well and in turn help Trevor Lawrence out. So to me, it's just, it's the confidence. It's finding the open guy and it's the internal clock.
0: Well, and so I come to this point. This is the way I feel about it, and, and I don't know I don't know if I have tangible evidence uh, of how to su- uh, support what I'm about to say. okay So hang with me. But I think we all noticed something the Jacksonville Jaguars had to do. get better around Trevor. Mm-hmm. They need to be better in the coaching. They need to be better in the playing. Uh, and I think they've tried to do that. Peterson, all the quarterbacks he brought in, by the way, the former quarterbacks, at uh, part of his staff that have the knowledge of the position and know what he's doing and going through and dealing with, including Peterson himself, something that Urban Meyer didn't know, right? And was like Urban Meyer's a former quarterback. So get rid of the nonsense. Well, hopefully that happens. Peterson's going to be much better at that put more weapons around him, like you just said. They added some pieces. Did they do enough? That's debatable, but they did add stuff, and they will get Travis Etienne back, which I don't think we can dismiss because that is something we didn't see last year, so that's like a new piece. So I think, outside the obvious of win more games and throw more touchdowns than picks, I think the biggest growth Mm -hmm. for him is the good quarterbacks make other people better. Sure. And for some reason... I didn't see that a whole lot last year either. I don't know who I would say he made better. Marvin Jones didn't have a good year. Sure. LaVisca Chanel had a terrible but year. that was LaVisca's fault, I think though. it was LaVisca's yeah. fault. But I, that's still, I can't find you evidence of, hey, he made this guy better. I do think that wasn't all his fault. Mm-hmm. But I want to now see, okay, I want Christian Kirk to become that next level guy, and Trevor's going to help him be that guy. Right. Mm -hmm. I want Evan Ingram to bounce back from what's been a struggling early start of his career to fulfill that potential because Trevor helped him Mm -hmm. fulfill that potential. I would say the one area I thought Trevor made look better is the offensive line. He was able to avoid sacks. He did make them look better, maybe not play better. I don't know if there's a difference there. Do you think he made James Robinson look better? Not really. No. Not to the point that I thought he could or would. And I don't know if that was necessarily his fault either. James was in and out. Uh, Urban didn't help that. And their struggling wide receivers didn't allow for you to maybe go pass early and then open up the run game in times when they needed to do that. James was fine, but I didn't. I'm not sure I'd give. When James played well, I'm not sure how much credit I was giving Trevor for it. Okay. Uh, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I, I might be wrong. I, mm-hmm. I just don't. I didn't see that. Okay. So really that i want to see trevor make these guys better sure and and i think the good quarterbacks do that we would say that about mahomes right we think that about josh allen right now we think that about a guy like even herbert who's already surrounded with good players but it looks like he's making these guys better I I want to see a little more evidence of that jumping out uh, on my my screen. I thought he did that against Indianapolis. Yeah. I just think he needs to do that more.
1: I mean, I think the the classic example of that would be a guy like Aaron Rodgers because it feels like you can put Aaron Rodgers on any team and he's going to elevate, you know, those wide receivers. With Patrick Mahomes... Like, yes, he's had uh, Travis Kelsey. He's had Tyree Kill. Now he's lost him. So, like, to me, it's going to be very telling. What happens when you lose your, your go-to guy? Like, what happens if you're Aaron Rodgers and you yeah. lose Devonta Adams now? What is that going to look like? So, I mean, talent is definitely one thing where if you have the talented receivers like Justin Herbert did coming into the league, um, that's only going to benefit you. I don't think Trevor Lawrence necessarily had that. And obviously the drops didn't help as uh, as well. But, yeah, now you see a guy like Christian Kirk. You know, you see Zay Jones. Um, you see LaVisca Chenault with a lot more to play for now going into this season. And a guy like Marvin Jones who, you know, he kind of has to redeem himself a little bit. So, there's definitely guys that
0: are going to be hungry, and I agree with you. It, it's Trevor Lawrence's job to elevate all those guys. Yeah, because uh, uh, you bring up a good point. Aaron Rodgers is a different level of his career. Understand sure. that. We understand. There's 16 years that separate the two guys, okay? <laughs> That's a lot of experience. Yeah, And and we do miss that. This kid's just 22 like he, he doesn't feel it. Yeah. Right. He, he feels like a very, he's like he's, he's in his 30s. Yeah. Because of just the way he handles himself, mm-hmm. uh, which is a great compliment to him, but also a reminder that he is just 22. So he's got a lot of football still to learn at this level, especially. But there is a thought that even though Green Bay loses Devontae Adams, you don't feel like Rodgers is going to have a bad year. No, because well, you know I mean. like to, to one, to your point. Yeah,
1: because one would assume they're gonna draft somebody very high at wide receiver, maybe make a play for like an Odell Beckham Jr., whoever the case may be. And yeah, you get the sense like anybody that can elevate like Al Mazard and Valdez Scantling. Great point. You know, I mean Mercedes
0: Lewis Marse-
1: has well, played well at times. How about a Tunyon? Yeah, yeah. Tunyon right? t- 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 for sure, Tunyon, yeah. Like yeah, yeah. those yeah.
0: guys, like this guys are maybe on a lot of other teams are just guys. Sure. He's made You want to put him in your fantasy lineup. Of course. Yeah. And so that's what... Can we find that with Trevor? Can Trevor get the best out of a guy like Zay Jones? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Can he elevate him? Can he make Dan Arnold into, like, a premier tight end? Well, and and to me, Christian Kirk is the biggest one because you paid him that much money. Right?
1: So, like, it's not to say... The Jaguars don't envision using Christian Kirk because you pay a dude that much money, regardless of if he's in the slaughter on the outside. Like you're going to get him the ball. So now it's it's Trevor's job to to provide him the, the you know the ample targets to say, okay, man, you've never had over a thousand yards before. Go get this ball because we have to get you those numbers because well, we're paying you to do so.
0: Yeah. So I think that's a fascinating part of all this when you look at Trevor Lawrence is um, is just that is is can he elevate the guys around him? This is a year that maybe we'll be able to see more of that. Last year was so broken Mm -hmm. in hindsight and really in the present. We kind of knew it was, but it was really a broken year on so many levels. And I actually think him just kind of treading water and holding on to his own and being able to make it through the year actually showed a lot that maybe we look back on and be like, damn, that was amazing. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of guys could have folded the 10 and and just been an utter disaster. I don't really think he was like as much as we say, hey, we didn't see what we wanted to see out of Trevor. We also didn't see like this rock bottom that we felt like from Trevor. I mean, he had some moments where it was like, okay, that's not good. Yeah. But it wasn't like this month like Blake bortles sometimes had showed in the past. No, for where sure. We just went in the tank, yeah. you know? And so I think that's a very positive sign for Trevor to say, okay, give me some normalcy, give me some more weapons, give me year two in the NFL. Uh, I know what to do now, and I'm worried about the calendar and this and all that other stuff. And um, I'm in a position where I can be successful. So I, I think this will offer that this year. I think it will be fascinating to watch. I'll also give you this. He took an amazing leadership role last year in that as a rookie quarterback.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, he was, as we, as we said sometimes, the grown-up in the room. Mm-hmm. He was the guy that, you know me, You you, you joked a little bit about it all the time carried away with the, the news conferences yes but i almost wish they threw trevor out there to talk to the fans and everybody else to make him feel better and even maybe his own team than they did urban because yeah. he was good there mm-hmm. and he was settling there and he kind of like everything's going to be all right mm-hmm. like he took that kind of role uh, on a season that was just an absolute disaster mm-hmm. uh, internally there um and externally but really internally so I think there's a lot to like about year two of Trevor Lawrence. I, I'm fascinated in the growth, like where he's about to go. I'm confident that he's going to play well. He's still a very good quarterback. And I think that part's interesting, too, whether he gets a pass or not. There are not a lot of national critics and analysts saying this guy's going to be a bust. Oh, no, Dan no, be
1: no breaking down videos as we speak right no, now yeah, about how I good think, he's going to be. I think be. there's a
0: lot of confidence and a lot yeah. of the inside metrics. I don't know if you pay attention to those. Say, hey, he was a lot better than people than, than it looked at times. hmm um, the drop rates were just gross yeah. <laughs> yeah. on this team. He made some big-time throws in some big places. So depending on how you feed into that, you can make numbers look however you want them to. Uh, I just feel like there's there's a little momentum around Trevor to have a nice 2022. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what it means wins-losses-wise because I just don't know if the Jags have caught up to the rest of the league. I can make the case the AFC has separated itself even more from yeah. the bottom feeders in the AFC. Uh, which is something we'll continue to talk about. Uh, more Trevor talk as the Jags offseason conditioning program rolls on. Speaking of draft talk, Travon Walker, folks, getting some momentum. Is it smokescreen? Is it rumor? Is there reason to be a smokescreen on the Travon Walker front, or should that all lead to Aiden Hutchinson, given Detroit's picking just behind them? What's the latest on Travon Walker? What are people saying? We'll fill you in if you haven't caught up to it yet. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. When you are a parent who has lost a child, uh, Dwayne Haskins is 24 years old. I lost my daughter a year ago at 25 years old. Um, There's no real words for it. You can't describe it. And I can only imagine the pain that his family, his mother, fathers, brothers, sisters, whomever, uh, family, close friends are feeling because... When you're young, man, you 25, 24, whatever the case may be. We're not talking about uh, a 90-year-old, a 85-year-old who lived a full life. He has Dwayne Haskins didn't even get started yet. His life hadn't even started. That's Keyshawn Johnson, obviously uh, has very personal perspective on that, as he just shared. You can listen to Keyshawn, Max Williams, Jay, uh, Max Kellerman, excuse me, Jay Williams, in the morning on ESPN 696 a.m. until 10 a.m. Listen to us, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690, 3 p.m. until 6 p.m. Uh, this is a sad story. I mean, mm-hmm. what a sad, sad story over the weekend. Sorry to drop it down a level here on a Monday, but um, it, it's part of what happened on the weekend, the, the passing of Dwayne Haskins uh, late at night, hit by a vehicle in South Florida where he's training with teammates mm-hmm. uh, in uh, of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Brent Martin, Austin Lane, uh, Casey Kurtz. I tell you, man people unfortunately pass all the time but when you see stories like this Mm -hmm. a 24 25 year old guy playing for the pittsburgh steelers passing away it's like man does it jump at you in a different what i don't know if that's supposed to be the case but it just does It's just like wow uh that was stunning to me when i heard the news on the weekend
1: yeah it was it it was shocking you know um he didn't have any kids but leaving behind a wife and You know, uh, also, um, there's some parents that that probably lost a son as well. So um, it's definitely, um, it's a tragic ordeal. And, you know, I would like to come on here and say, well, let's just leave it at that. It was a tragic ordeal and, you know, sending positive energy to um, his family and his loved ones. But obviously, that's not the whole side of the story. The other side of the story is how people in the media felt the need to respond um, to the events that happened. With Dwayne Haskins, and I think 99% of those people in the media or you know in his group, um, you know, did did a great job of trying to honor his legacy and um, you know speak great about him and and share moments. I mean, the the, the Chase Claypool video is absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah, Chase Claypool was was with him, I guess, like the the previous night or whatever the case may be. And um, that's definitely a, a rough watch of losing a teammate, obviously, but losing somebody that you're really close with, almost a best friend. Um, which he pervaded in the video. And 99% of everybody out there, you know, I thought said it right. And there was the 1% that felt the need to make it more about somebody, I think, passing and, once again, uh, a, a dad or a mother losing their son, uh, a wife losing their husband, and made it more about the business end. And I have an issue with that.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of people did. It looked very insensitive. Yes. Um, Adam Schefter, by the way, uh, was the first, I think, to report on it. The news came from Haskins' agent, mm-hmm. and Schefter's tweet said uh, Dwayne Haskins, a standout at Ohio State before struggling to catch on with Washington Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh in the NFL, died this morning when he got hit by a car in South Florida, per his agent, uh, Cedric Saunders. Haskins would have turned 25 years old on May 3rd. And that prompted a lot of reaction and then a deleted tweet and then an updated tweet to take out the words of struggling to catch on to Washington and Pittsburgh. And that's where the insensitive nature of it came in. Um, Journalistically, I think Schefter thought he was just kind of recapping who he was. But in that moment, it was so stunning, I think, to so many in the sports world. And what I saw differently here is so many of his peers and players in the NFL really went on the attack on Adam Schefter for what he said. So that was true. sort of this different. I mean, Schefter's listen. If you're in the spotlight, you're a national. You're going to say some things, do some things, and he's been wrong at times. I mean, there have been incidents with Schefter. You know, this year alone, I think he's had a tough year. Yeah. But I thought it was a little different to see the um, see everybody so vocal from an NFL standpoint, not just like fans and everyone. It was more the the uh, his peers, Haskins' peers. No,
1: for sure. And and. From my side, I think it was great to see. Now, some of the language and stuff and, like, you know, whatever. I mean, think yeah, about how you attacks. want to think yeah, about yeah. I mean, they, they did attack Adam Schefter. But I was happy to see, you know, Dwayne Haskins' brothers and everybody stick up for him because that's what needed to happen in that moment. You know, like, I consider Adam Schefter, like, because I'm, I'm not a player anymore, right? I'm a former player, but I'm in the media. So, like, I consider Adam Schefter representative of everybody, right? Like, he's he's where a lot of people in the sports media business aspire to be, right? Like, he's, uh, he's everywhere. If something's breaking, it's probably Adam Schefter. So, like, he's kind of the gold standard of where a lot of people want to be. And to tweet what you tweeted, you made yourself look bad, but then now you made the media look bad. Because Des Bryant said it well. He's like, what, why, like, you say that and you, you wonder why players sometimes don't give you the sound bites that you want. Or you wonder why, why players don't go to the media and want to talk to them. Because it's instances like that. So by Adam Schefter being selfish and thinking, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna think about business here and nothing else. Well, then you hurt everybody. And you know, I, I, right when this happened, one of my friends texted me about it. He's like, "What, what did I think about what Schefter had to say?" And this kind of follows lines with the, the Gil Brandt stuff as well. I think that if you're a person who feels the need to bring in a negative when someone's going through some problems, I think you're a special type of person. Let's just say but i think that if you're a person who feels the need to bring in a negative after that person dies when people are mourning when someone just lost a son or lost a husband you're less than human like who who does that so uh, i have a big issue with what adam schefter did a huge issue i mean i have even more of an issue of what gil Brandt did as well
0: yeah gil Brandt, by the way who's now 90 years old and was on sirius xm and this this was a longer talk but in essence, the thing that really jumped out was a phrase that he said, Dwayne Haskins was living to die. And he he basically refer- – you know, Gil Brandt's a Hall of Fame guy. Sure. Gil, Gil Brandt's a very knowledgeable football guy. Sure. Gil Brandt's also 90 years old. Yeah. And that shouldn't give him a pass for this either. Don't have him on then if he's going to talk like this. But, I mean, this thing was gross, in my opinion, the whole conversation. And – a. The living to die part, and basically he was referencing that he should never have come out of college when he did. Yeah, you know, which I'm having trouble drawing the correlation even listening to it. Like, okay, maybe he shouldn't have come out of college when he did, but the living to die part—if he stayed in another year of college—I I don't get. The, the bottom line is an unbelievably bad take mm-hmm. from Gilbrand, and one that, to be honest with you, I—I I, I don't know if this is an I, I think Gil Brandt's knows a very nice man and a very smart man, um, and maybe this is just a guy now and is, that's ninety years old and shouldn't be on radio. Talk, I don't know. Like, I mean, we have people that drive, and when you hit a certain age, you shouldn't drive anymore. Is yeah. that the Gil Brandt part of this? I don't know, but to me, it was unbelievable what he said. He did issue apology um, sure. after it, but uh, the damage had already been done.
1: Yeah. I mean, I said what I said. If someone passes and your first instinct is to cut said person down, I think you're less than human. So, yeah, I'm glad Gil Brand apologized and everything, and good for him. Whether it's age, whether it's ignorance, whatever the case may be, not a
0: good look for Gil Brand. That's all I'm going to say. There's, uh, I do think that brings to light something, and that we have to be very careful of in society, not just in the media. That I do think athletes mm-hmm. are some in public figures, but in our world, athletes are looked at as like a commodity, mm-hmm. right? Like not real people, mm-hmm. and I think that's part of the reason we like to see stories on them when we know they're real people, mm-hmm. right? Be- where we can relate. Can't relate to people making t- millions and millions and millions of dollars and are gifted the way they are in the sports that they play, but. I think this shed a lot of light on it over the weekend that we have to be very careful from a journalistic standpoint, but also from a fan standpoint with social media. I mean, we, th- the attacks on people all the time, not always somebody who passed away are probably less than human anyway. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, and we look at uh, athletes sometimes as as a commodity, uh, which is not, uh, I think we need to look at it as more of a human level and especially during the passing of uh, someone like uh, Dwayne Haskins at such a young age. So a sad situation all around um, and uh, maybe a learning experience for us all uh, on the back end of it. We'll be back. Action Sports Jackson, on ESPN 690. Trevon Walker, could he go number one to the Jags and shock your mock? Just to let you know, I might be breaking some FCC protocols for shock your mock today. Wow. Got you in a bad mood? No. Oh. Okay. No, we're, we're, we're doing something else. And I'm not sure if it's legal or not. We'll find out when we're doing it. Okie dokie. We'll be back on ESPN 690. Back for at least one more segment. Maybe not anymore. <laughs>